Good evening, everybody. Wow, it's good to see you out on a Friday night. How many of you know that back when you were in the world, Friday night was a party night? Now we're partying in church. Come on, somebody. On a Friday night, celebrating what Jesus Christ has done for us. So I appreciate you guys being here, and we have several watching online as well. Uh, come on, just clap real big for our folks online. Let them hear you there. We love y'all. We love everybody online. Yeah, our family is online as well. Um, again, just welcome. As Kimberly said, we've got lots going on this month, so pay attention to what's happening next week. Uh, we got baby dedication the following week, water baptism, if you haven't been water baptized. The following week, kids, Spectrum Kids Day. Then the ladies have an event coming up in May. So uh, if you haven't been water baptized, you know, you need to be water baptized. Come on, you need to follow the, follow the Lord. Right? And so water baptism is an outward show of an inward work. So what we like to say is if you've never been water baptized or if you've never had a meaningful baptism, uh, we don't see in the scriptures that you just get baptized once. I don't think you need to get baptized every week. Uh, but sometimes there's folks that have been baptized maybe as a baby or, or not a baby, but even a young adult or a young person and kind of lived some crazy things, you know, left God for a while and came back. Well, you might want to consider getting baptized again Just say, Hey, that one didn't stick so good. Let's get another one. I don't know. You know, just you, you figure it out. And you pray and just ask God to, to reveal to you what he wants to do. But again, it's an outward show of an inward work. And we identify with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? Amen. Come on, church. Amen? Amen? So sign up online for that as well. Uh, tonight, again, a special night. Every year we've been doing uh, Good Friday communion services. Seems like for years and years now. Uh, this has been a part of our a flow is in ministry for Kimberly and I for you know decades now. Again, just this night, we think it's really important to remember what this night is all about. And so um, uh, we've got our kids with us, you know, again, so it might be a little bit of noise in the room. That's okay. This is a family service. All right, everybody? Um, uh, again, tonight we're celebrating, you know, communion and, and just we're, 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 I could say this, tonight is all about really this one word, remembrance. And then um, even what you know, Kimberly said, Sunday really is a celebration. Of course, we just praise God and we worship God for his blood and for his name and for what he's done for us a moment ago, which is appropriate. Uh, but tonight is really a night that we can just, you know, settle down and just calm ourselves for a moment, you know, for the next, you know, 30 minutes or 20 minutes, however how long we go, and just remember the impact of this night, what, what Jesus did for us in his, in his going to the cross for us. Um, maybe you're like me, you've been reading some uh, accounts in the scriptures. I'd encourage you to do this every year. Is um, I know a lot of you have daily reading Bible time, which is godly. That's good. That's going to keep your, you know, your faith grounded your, and your feet moving forward in the direction God's got for your life. Daily feeding on the Word of God. But you know, it might do good you know, in the years ahead just to spend this, you know, this last week or the, the week of Holy Week just going back and, you know, Matthew and, and Mark and Luke and John and remembering uh, and rereading what Jesus did and refreshing yourself again and again, because every time you read those scriptures, they're going to come alive to you, what he did for you. And um, uh, we, we read, you know, when we go back, even in the, the very first book of the Bible, we said, you know, a couple weeks ago during a, a series that we see that it didn't take very long in the book of Genesis for man and the woman to get in trouble. It didn't take very long. We, we don't know how long it was, but they, were, they had fellowship with God in Eden. Everything was beautiful. Everything was perfect. Everything was wonderful. 
And somehow, someway, the, the serpent, the snake, the deceiver, Satan himself, came in that territory and, and deceived, uh, deceived the woman, and, and, and she ate, and then, and then Adam willingly took of that fruit, believing a lie. And um, mankind has been believing the lie ever since. And, and we are here thousands of years later, and across your news feed and mine, and across my, my you know, IG uh, feed or Facebook or whatever you do or whatever news channel that you frequent, you'll see the ramifications of the decisions that man has believed the lie. It, it, sh it showed up in all kinds of ways. It showed up in, in, in the, the, the sexuality of mankind. It showed up in racism. It showed up in uh, all, all kinds of things, uh, you know, poverty, wars, and, and it's just too numerous to tell and to say. But we see the Genesis moment, the beginning moment, was right there when Adam and Eve willingly disobeyed God. But none of that threw God the Father off. He knew exactly and has always known exactly what you and I and mankind, Adam and Eve, his cre first creation, would do. And the scripture's real clear. He's always had a plan. He's always had a plan. But the problem that we all face is that we see where we live right now, and we see worldwide sin, we could say, where there's, you know, wars and, and ethnic cleansings in our time that we've seen, and we've seen, you know, genocides that, that are just ungodly and just unimaginable, unfathomable what a man could do to another man. We see in our nation, and every nation, we see national sin. We see governments against governments. We see stuff that's gone on the state level, the local level, crazy laws that are being passed. We see it even in school systems that affects us because of the decisions that people have made that are ruling over us or elected officials over us. We see the, the ramifications of sin. We see it even in our own life. We see things that we battle. We see struggles that we have. We see the purpose and the plan of God for our own lives. And it seems like sometimes there's this dichotomy between what we believe, like Paul says in Romans 7, and what we actually do. And there's a struggle between flesh and spirit, all because of this thing called sin. So tonight, I don't want to go long, but I want to go long enough for us to have a time to think. Because I think it's important that, um, here, here's what I've come to realize is that the attention span of all of us has grown thinner and thinner as the years have gone on. The attention span of kids now is minute. And we like information and we like it quick. We, we, we're accustomed to changing the channel. We're accustomed to flicking and rolling up on our feeds. And if we're not careful, we'll treat the Word of God that way. When we come into a service, if we're not careful, we'll just check out and move on. I want to encourage you tonight as I purposefully talk maybe a little bit slower than normal so that we have time to contemplate and think about the enormity of what Jesus did for us. Three thoughts, you're going to get it tonight. Listen, you're going to get it tonight. It's so simple, you're not, never going to forget it. First thought I want to give you tonight is that Jesus came to rescue us. Jesus came to rescue us. Whether you realize it or not, your whole life has been a search and rescue from God to get to you. That, that, that's what it's all about. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 19, that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Notice that, seek and to save 
that which is lost. Not just to seek, but he had, a, he had an ambition, had a desire, had a goal in mind that, that you would be saved. So he, he came to do that. that. That's everybody. That's the whole world. God's got a plan for the whole world to seek and save that which was lost. We, we, we belong to him. We do not belong to the devil. Listen to me. The world, no matter how bad, no matter how vile, no matter how confused, no, no matter what the world looks like and what, what's going on, what what, whoever they are that offends you and, and maybe offends me as well, listen, Jesus is after to seek and save that person. Can somebody in the room just say amen? Yeah, yeah. We know from Scripture, based on that, is that mankind, mankind is in need of a rescuer. He, he, he is in need of a rescuer. Not just, not just somebody to help them get off drugs and, and get a little bit better life. No, a rescue from their current, sinful, dead, away from God condition. So, so we're not just talking about get cleaned up a little bit. We're not just talking about Jesus coming to the cross so mankind would feel better about their condition. No, he came to rescue us because mankind was lost. It, it's, um, the, the, the definition of rescue actually means this. It means to free and deliver from danger, violence, or evil. It, it, to free you, to deliver you from danger, violence, or evil. The word rescue, that's what it means. So, so, so we know this naturally, that, that a police officer came to rescue that child that, that somehow got in wrong hands or somebody took that child to, to deliver them, to free them, to deliver them from danger, violence, or evil. This is the very same thing that Jesus has done for us. And what we all know about rescue stories, I don't know about you, but rescue stories captivate us all. I mean, when, when we see somebody in danger and then we see somebody else that's put themselves in danger to rescue them, it just draws all of our attention to, and it captivates us. We're, we're amazed at the person who risks their lives for the, for, for the person that fell in the subway tunnel in, in, in New York City and gets them out. We're, we're amazed at the person that the, in the helicopter that drops down on that rope and gets that person at Torrey Pines that's fallen down off into a cliff or in the sea or, you know, all, all kinds of things that just grab our attention. I, I remember... Um, and you'll remember the story in 2010, uh, there was the rescue of the 33 uh, Chilean miners that, you know, that, that, that were underground for 69 days. Can you imagine? 69 days that they were underground, couldn't, you know, couldn't get to them. And so, I mean, I, I remember reading this and I wrote it down, that they designed this capsule that would barely be as wide as a man's shoulders. And, and, and it, 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 they went down, they drilled down uh, 2,000 feet, 2,000 feet down, and, and, and when they got to those guys down there, when they started bringing them up, it took them 15 minutes to get from where they were to get to the surface. And, and, and they got all those guys, seven football fields under the earth. Incredible, incredible. And so the question is this, is that since man will do that to rescue another man, what would Jesus do for you and I? Come on. Jesus came to rescue us. Scripture says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as 
God our Father planned. Notice that. He planned it. In order to rescue us. There's the word. To rescue us from this evil world in which we live. He he didn't come just to take us out of the evil world, but to rescue us from the effects of sin in this evil world in which we are in. Jesus placed us in this world to affect this world. As we said on Sunday, we are to be salt and light. The, The second thing that I see that we can easily see all of us tonight that Jesus came to do, he came to rescue us, but he came secondly to redeem us. Not just rescue us. Again, rescuing us is priority. Rescuing us is the first mission. Rescuing us, we were were in danger. We needed deliverance. He came for us. But rescuing by itself isn't enough, again, to get and break the hold of sin off of our lives. He needed to go further, and thank God he did. The scripture says that he redeemed us. The word redeem means this, to buy back by payment. To buy back, buy and with a payment. He's, he, he didn't just rescue us. He actually purchased us. He redeemed us. Um, anybody besides me that you've actually uh, um, uh, uh, thrown away plastic cans or bottles that could be redeemed for money? I don't take my plastic. I, I pay that fee, whatever it is, for the plastic bottles. But I don't take the plastic bottles anymore down to the recycle place and get money for it. I just put it in the blue container. I just put it in the blue container. I don't redeem it. Jesus bought you and I back. He redeemed our life, the scripture says, with his blood. God will never throw you away. I love the book of Exodus. It says this in chapter 6, Exodus 6, 6. This is when the nation of Israel was dealing with Pharaoh, and it says this, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you, there's that word, from their bondage, and I will redeem. I'm going to redeem you. He says, I'm going to redeem you with a strong hand, with a mighty hand, with a victorious hand. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to rescue you, but rescuing you isn't enough. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to buy you back. You're worth the price. You're worth the price. Redeeming speaks of the power of the Redeemer to secure freedom for the individual. So, Christ redeeming you, listen to me, yes, you're valuable. Yes, you're special. Yes, you're a son. Yes, you're a daughter. Yes, you're loved. But redeeming has to have power behind it, which speaks of the person we're talking about. God redeemed them here in the book of Exodus from the power, the grip, the hold of over 400 years of oppression by the Egyptians. And so these aren't good words, but I think you'll you'll get what I'm saying here. Is all the redeemee, I think we have it here, all the redeemee does is receive the benefit of the Redeemer. No work is necessary. Listen to me. No work is necessary for the redeemee. 
you and me. All the work is done by the Redeemer. You don't do anything for your salvation other than receive the rescuing and redeeming power of the blood of Jesus Christ. He did all the work. He did all the work. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says this. Who gave himself for us to redeem us. Notice, he gave himself, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Jesus, again, it tells us that he gave his life for us. Why? To redeem us from all wickedness. So why would any person that's been redeemed ever choose wickedness? He wants to purify us, cleanse us continually from the effects of the cause of the curse of sin, of wrong choices, bad decisions. Even after we've made Jesus Christ the Lord of our life, he still comes to rescue us from that and comes to redeem us constantly, constantly. And again, the price that the Redeemer paid for you and me was and is his very own blood. In the Old Testament, we'll read it, uh, well, we won't read it, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit uh, when we receive communion just the next couple moments. But when we go back over into the, into the book of Exodus, when, when God had the plan and he gave it to Moses on how they were going to get free and break out from Egypt, the last, uh, the last of the plagues was uh, God told him to every, every man, every family, t take a lamb for your house, take a lamb. But the lamb has to be without defect. Because man's condition, even though they want to be redeemed, even though they want to be delivered, even though they want to be rescued, has got the ability to want to give God something less than the best. And so God says, no, no. You've got to get a lamb without defect. The most beautiful, precious, perfect lamb. No spot. No flaws, and offer that lamb and take that blood over the doorposts of the house. And when the death angel passes through and comes through the land to kill the firstborn man, the firstborn animal, that death angel will pass over your life. The pass over, that death has now passed over the believers who have a life under the blood. Why? Because he's got a plan to rescue you. He's got a plan to redeem you. Can you say amen? amen? He rescued us. He found us and delivered us. Then he redeemed us. He purchased us with his own blood. And the last thing that I see is that he came to restore us. Again, he, he, he rescued us. He redeemed us, bought us back. He, he, he purchased us, we're, we're back. But, but then you might think, in your own life, okay, I've been, I, I've been rescued by God, I've been redeemed by God, but, but I, I'm, I, I'm a mess, I'm still a mess. <laughs> I, I don't know my relationship with God, and I, I don't know how He feels about me. That, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says He came to restore you. And, and if you just stay as rescued... And don't move on to understanding you've been redeemed. You've been bought back. You're valuable. You're precious with his own blood. And then you don't even take it another step. And there might be more after this, but just for tonight, 
the understanding. He's, he's restored me. He's restored me. He's, he's made me whole again. I, I'm not the same guy just cleaned up a little bit. The scripture says I'm a brand new kind of person. I got to think that way because my father thinks that way about me. He believes that about me. He's called me to live that way. So I gotta, I gotta renew my mind to that, and I've gotta, I've gotta change my, my outlet. I've gotta find out who I am, my, my new identity. That as Ephesians says, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm called and I'm chosen and I'm sanctified and I'm redeemed and I'm predestined and I'm God's son and, and I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I've, I've gotta renew my mind to these realities on a constant basis because the world is telling me something completely different. My flesh is telling me something completely different. My mind, my body is telling me something completely different. The scripture says he came to restore us. I love what it says. Last scripture that we'll read before we receive some communion is in Romans chapter 5, verse 9 through 11. I love this. And since, notice the past tense words. And since we have been made right, have been, past tense, not going to be, have been made right in God's sight. Listen to me, everybody in the room, everybody online, every man or every woman, every child, every teenager, young adult, whether you feel like it or not, if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he has, you have been made right in God's sight. If God says, you've been made right in my sight, you need to see that yourself. You need to think this yourself. How have you been made right in God's sight? By the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Verse 10, for since our friendship with God, notice this, <laughs> I, I, I wish the church would believe this. Since our friendship with God was restored, past tense, by the death of his son. When was that? 2,000 years ago. While we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. If he called me, let's go back there real quick, verse 10. If he called me a friend, if that's been restored, by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, even when I was an enemy, certainly the scripture says we're going to be saved. We're going to be saved. Certainly we're going to be saved through the life of him. If while I was an enemy, I was estranged and I was away from him. And Christ died for me. Christ died for you. Christ died for the world. And he brought us now back into friendship with God. That's been restored. God, listen, it could be sacrilegious in some churches. It could be offensive in many churches. God is your friend. Wow. Wow. Wants to be involved in everything you're involved with. Wants to help you with everything you need help with. Wants to counsel you and, and uphold you and give you wisdom and strength and give you peace as you look to him in the middle of a storm wants to help you in every area of your life. And he tells us in verse 11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God.
Come on, can somebody just say amen? friend of God. Man, we've been rescued. We've been redeemed. And now we've been restored in a relationship with God that now God calls us friends. Man, restoration means this, to bring back to the original condition, design, or intent. Bring back to the original condition, design, or intent. So this was the original design and condition and intent that God had with Adam and Eve. When he'd walk with them and talk with them and speak with them and commune with them. As God to man, as creator to creation, but also as friend. And there's no there's no line being crossed. Uh, the man upstairs, that's disrespectful. God's my you know, big buddy, that's disrespectful. He's called our father, but your father is also your friend. The relationship with my children has changed over the years. When they were small, I mean, my, uh, our youngest is 30 years, 26. And um, our oldest will be 36 coming up in a couple of months. A couple others in between. Don't ask me their ages. 29 and 34, I think. Um, but when they were younger, it was dad, the boss, dad in charge, dad loving, giving commands and directing. But over the course of the years, a new relationship begins where I'm always dad, but it's more of a friend. They're growing, they're maturing. They've got, our older two have families of their own that they're raising and the dynamics change. My prayer for you and us as a church is that our relationship with God would continue, just continually evolve and us to realize more and more how much he longs to have relationship with us and call us friends. Friends. Can anybody say amen? amen. Why don't you get your communion there? We'll read a couple scriptures, talk about that. Go ahead and get it ready. I'll get mine here a little bit. You know, you read some different accounts. Um, thanks, Terry. If you need one, just raise your hand. If you don't have any communion there, Terry's got some stuff for you. Anybody? Thank you. When you read the gospel accounts, they'll, um, they all read uh, very similar. John talks about on that night that Jesus did something that was um, blew, blew the disciples away, specifically Peter. He washed their feet, right? and then began talking about the, uh, the communion meal. Um, 
on this night, Jesus knew what was coming in just the next couple of hours. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew that he was going to be praying and anguishing in the garden. He knew they were going to come. He knew that they were going to arrest him. He knew that he knew. He, he, he knew the scrolls. He knew the Old Testament. He knew Isaiah's prophecy that he was going to be marred. He was going to be beaten more than any man. He knew that was the future for him to rescue us, to redeem us, and to restore us in perfect harmony and friendship with God. And he didn't quit. He didn't back down. And so what he did, God's never asking you to do like that, but in similitude, in similitude, that we would serve one another as he served those disciples and serve the world, not only with just words, but with his life, with his life. And so Paul has this encounter with God for visions and dreams and all kinds of things where Jesus appeared to him. And Paul says this in writings to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He says this, the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, notice that, when he was betrayed, that night that he was being betrayed by Judas, being sold out, he already made up his mind, already talked to the religious leaders, I'm going to sell them out, 30 pieces of silver, that had already been negotiated. On that night that he was going to be betrayed, he took bread. He, he, he took bread. He, he knew that he was, John 6, he tells us, I, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of, I, I, I'm the bread that your ancestors ate in the Old Testament. I, I am manna that fell from heaven, that sustained you, sustained your ancestors. And he took the bread that was symbolic of his life. Scripture says in verse 24, he gave thanks to the Father and he broke it. And he said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Again, here's the words, in remembrance of me. Remember, 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 remember. Don't forget, remember. Remember means actively call to mind. I'm going to actively call to mind tonight what you've done for me. What you've done for me personally. What you've done for my life in sending me Jesus, Father. I'm going to remember I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to be a casual observer, a casual listener. I'm going to remember tonight. He says, as often as you drink it, you eat this bread, you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Communion is a proclamation. Listen to me. Listen. Communion is a proclamation, not just to humans. Communion is a proclamation to the principalities and the powers in the air that you are a believer, that you are a God follower, that you are a friend of God, that you trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a proclamation. It's a proclamation. He says, whoever eats this bread, drinks this cup in an unworthy manner, an unworthy manner, not remembering what it stands for, will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. So he tells us, examine yourself 
examine yourself. I was thinking about this tonight, or this, this evening, this, or this afternoon. Examine himself. Then eat of the bread, drink of the cup. So, two thoughts with examine. Number one, I examined myself and I looked and I shined the light of God's word in my heart and the spirit of God and said, God, is there anything in me that's displeasing you? If I know there's something wrong, I don't have to take long. <laughs> I don't have to have, you know, go through counseling and therapy. I'm not, nothing wrong with that. But like, is there something wrong with me? No, listen, I, I, I know if I, there's sin in my life and you do too. If there's things that you've said, things that you've done, offense you have in your heart, someone you have not forgiven that's wronged you, listen, before you eat, before you drink, you need to get it right. It just takes that long. Father, forgive me. I release them from that offense. If there's something you're engaged in, you're involved in that no one knows, we would maybe call it some type of secret sin. Now's your time not to confess to me or anybody else, but to confess it to God so that you'll examine yourself and not eat and drink in an unworthy manner and bring judgment to yourself, the scripture says. Not discerning the Lord's body. So, so, so I, I examine in my life what I, what I know is wrong. So this would be your time to be thinking about that right now. But then listen, secondly, we talked about a moment ago that the lamb in the book of Exodus before it was offered had to be examined any defect any blemish any impurity and listen to me every one of us when we look at our own lives and examine our own lives we would say honestly i've got some defects i've got some things in my life and so listen god says examine your life in light of his life Examine your life to say, I'm not pure. I'm not completely holy. I know what the word says. I know what you've made me, but I've still got some issues in my life. But we take our eyes not only upon us, we take our eyes and put them on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we examine him. We examine his life. We examine his blood. We examine his name. We examine his sacrifice and say that's pure and that's holy and that's righteous to now free me from every hold and stain of sin in our life. Can anybody say amen? amen. Four things tonight while we're just quieting down tonight as we do this. Four thoughts to ask yourself. Who is he? Who is Jesus? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he to you? Who is he? Second thought, what, what's he done? What, what's he done for you? What's he done in his death, burial, and resurrection? What's he done? What's he done? Thirdly, where, where he is? Where is he right now? Where is he? He's, he's your mediator, the scripture says. So I'm going to remember that tonight. He's my mediator. And just lastly, I, I want to remember tonight how, how he can change me how he can change my life right now is that he washes me from all sin i examine myself i discern the lord's body so when i take communion tonight i'm not believing nothing happened i'm believing there's power 
in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ to remove sin from my life and to bring me back into perfect harmony with the Father. Can you say amen? Amen. So come on, let's take that bread right there. We remember who you are. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. You're God in a human body. You're perfect, you're holy, you're pure, you're righteous. You are the manna sent from heaven in the Old Testament. And you're Jesus in the Gospels. You're God in a body. What you've done for us, give us understanding more and more. What you've done for us, how your body was broken, the healing's ours, deliverance is ours, victory's ours. We, we, we know where you're at right now. We, we, trust, we, we trust that, Lord God, tonight, that Jesus, what the scripture says, ascended, and he is at the right hand of the Father tonight. And we believe tonight, even as we partake of communion, that your power is changing us from glory to glory. You're not done with us. You're not done with us. Come on, let's partake together. Come on, grab that juice. Come on, can somebody just say, thank God for the blood? Come on, thank God for the blood. What can wash away our sin, right? We sang nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Put the blood on the doorposts. The death angel passed over. Pass over. Communion. Pass over. We're communion with the Father as Jesus was with his disciples knowing that wine that they were drinking was his blood that was going to be shed just hours later on the cross. Beaten, marred more than any man so that he could rescue us so that he could redeem us and so that he could restore us as friends in perfect harmony with God. So Father, again tonight, we just thank you for the blood. We thank you for the power and the life of Jesus Christ. You told us in the book of Leviticus, life is in the blood, a flow from you to us. So we honor you tonight, Lord God, as we celebrate your deliverance in our lives over the effects of sin iniquity, lawlessness, and rebellion. We're people who want to serve you and want to know you more and more. So, Father, we thank you for this power working in us tonight. In Jesus' name, come on, let's partake. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Amen. Come on. Glory to God. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Wow, wow. What lengths has he gone to restore and rescue and reach you and me? Well, Jesus left heaven. Had a plan, had a plan, and he's always got a plan. Never ending. Come on, stand all over the room. Come on, grab somebody's hand. You're next to them with your spouse. Just grab her hand. Grab a friend's hand, maybe. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. And thank you for the relationships we have with one another. 
Thank you, Lord God, for the power of the cross. Come on, everybody. The power of the cross. The power of the cross. We believe and we thank you, Lord God, tonight for the strength that happens in the body of Christ. That we discern the Lord's body, Jesus, but we discern the spiritual body on the earth called the church. Help us, Father God. Walk in love and show compassion and grace and mercy to one another as we discern who we are to you, Lord God, in this day and hour. Give us great boldness, Lord God, as we come into the next couple days and, and come back again on Sunday and join in the celebration. Father, be with our minds, be with our mouths, and be with our mannerisms, O oh God, to display your goodness and your glory to people around us. We believe and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. Come on, all God's people said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us. Don't slip out and don't, don't run out the door and go home. Come on.